Where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection. They all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, uh, the Compliance Evangelist and the Voice of Compliance, back with Ronnie Feldman, back for another episode of Creativity and Compliance. Today, we're going to take up the topic of improv your speak up culture. So first of all, Ronnie, welcome back. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this is a a subject that's near and dear to me. So Ronnie, um, you actually have this as a service offering, and I'm really intrigued on how you can use your professional background in improv uh, uh, coupled with uh, the techniques, strategies, and tactics you've learned uh, since you've been out uh, on your own with your own company to help move a compliance function forward. So if I can maybe just jump right into it and ask, how does improv help an ethics, compliance, and legal function within an organization? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I absolutely can geek out on this subject. Um, improv, improvisation has uh, affected my uh, my career. It really changed my worldview, not to, to sound overly dramatic about it. Um, but first, just for the benefit of the audience, let's define improvisation. So, um, uh, Tom, have you seen the show uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, by any chance? I have. Yeah, cool. Um, that seems to be one of the more popular shows that was on TV for a while that, that people seem to recognize. So when I'm talking about improvisation, um, I'm not talking about uh, making comedy. I'm talking about improv um, as making things up on the spot, off of the top of your head, in collaboration with others. Uh, a, a real fun fact is that improvisation was actually uh, created in the late 40s and 50s by a woman named Viola Spolin, to sort of considered the mother of improvisation. And she was using these improv techniques to help immigrant children in the Chicago public school system. So she was using it as a teaching tool. And then her, uh, her son was named Paul Sills, who ended up founding a theater company called the Compass Players that ultimately became the Second City. So uh, improvisation, if you think of applied improvisation, was originally a teaching tool um, used for people's communication skills. It was eventually applied to theater and then eventually applied to comedy. Ronnie, it sounds like that uh, improv is in the DNA of Chicago. Well, it is. It it absolutely is. It's um, everything originated from... Uh, from the University of Chicago, that's where the Compass Players and Second Seas was founded, and then it, it, it spread out to the coasts. And, uh, and, and obviously in this day and age, at least in my world, I feel like improv has continued to infuse itself into the business world um, because I think there are a lot of lessons that we can take uh, and, uh, which is, I guess, the, the point of this discussion. So uh, to re- refocus us back in, what I'm suggesting is that um, the things that improvisers can, the things that improvisers do on stage to make comedy, are muscles that you can learn, uh, and these are things like how to be more present, how to be a better listener, how to increase awareness of your communication style, both verbal and nonverbal, how to make connections with people and bridge alignments so that you can build solutions together, how to be more adaptable and agile. Um, how to diffuse emotional situations. So uh, the, the phrase that I love the most that helps 
try and connect this for perhaps the listeners on this podcast is um, applied improvisation is like yoga for your communication skills. I love that phrase. Now that you have introduced this as uh, really a communications tool and a training tool, it makes much more sense to me um, how you are able to use this so effectively to help companies um, further their compliance goals. So um, could you give maybe an example of how improv can help uh, uh, employees or managers in uh, managing difficult conversations? Tom, if I may, I'm going to start a, a, a one step uh, back from that, and then we'll, we'll advance to that. First, I want to talk about how this can be applied to ethics, compliance, and legal teams, because I feel like there's a natural connection there. And, and for people who've listened to this podcast before, I, you've heard me talk about not wanting to be the office of no, uh, how ethics compliance by the definition of those terms are often scary for employees. So when you think about improv for uh, ethics compliance and legal, um, we're talking about how do, you, how do you communicate in a way that's maybe a little bit more welcoming and approachable. So these are soft skills that we're talking about. Um, one of the ways that, that improvisers do this on stage is that we don't think about the funny thing that we're about to say, or we're not really focusing on the clever quip. What we're really doing is focusing on other people. We, we talk about improv as being the art of being others focused. So what that means is um, while you, you, if you're focusing on your partners and your scene partners on stage, you can truly be present and what that does is gets rid of the judgment that goes on in your head. It's actually very Buddhist in a way. Like uh, if you, uh, Buddhism, they always say like when you're anxious, you're thinking about the future. And you're depressed, you're thinking about the past, the past. And when you're in the present, you're at peace. It's the same thing in improv. If you're off thinking about your answers to other to the the person that's talking to you, you're not actually listening to what they're saying. You know, you have to be present. So one of the first exercises we teach people is, is a pretty simple idea called active listening. And essentially that just means uh, listening to understand and not waiting to talk, which sounds very obvious and open. Um, now, if you're on stage and you're constantly thinking about, oh, I got to say something funny right now, you're not paying attention to the person across from you and you're missing all sorts of social cues. Um, so... There's very, every, lots of reasons for an ethics compliance and legal person to be thinking of the solution. Like if someone says, hey, can I accept this gift from a vendor? It's a new car. And your answer immediately is like, no, no, we can't do that. But really what you should be doing is thoughtfully listening to what they're saying. And then a, a little tip is uh, repeat the last word that they just finished their sentence with and do that in your head silently. Because what that forces you to do is listen all the way to the end before you start thinking of your answer. And by doing that, you're not off in your head um, losing focus. And people are perceptive. They can see when you're not listening. And you, it, it, it's a little thing that undermines trust. Um, another quick tip before I pause and let you chime in, Tom, is um, we talk about improvisers being grateful for information. So when you're on stage and you don't know what's going to happen – you have to be aware of everything that's going on around you so that you can pick up on it. You don't want to miss someone's teeing you up for a nice bit and you, want to, you don't want to miss it. So we say um, when someone's talking to you in the regular everyday world, 
Again, listen all the way to the end, repeat their last word, and say a silent thank you. What that it does is a really interesting thing. Um, if you're in the mindset of being grateful and being uh, of saying thank you for sharing whatever you've just shared with me, whether you agree with it or not, it puts you in a different mindset of not jumping in and saying yes, no, or otherwise, or it puts you in a framework of saying, oh, thank you for sharing that. Now let me think about how I feel about that. Um, I lied. I'm going to go one step further before I pause. Uh, the w- one rule, if you know anything about improv, is called yes and. If you look up Tina Fey talks about yes and, Amy Poehler talks about yes and, any improviser talks about yes and. It's sort of the fundamental tool of improvisation. What that means is on stage, you all have ideas. You're going to make something up on stage. But when somebody offers up a, a, a statement, you have to implicitly drop your idea, agree to that uh, reality on stage, and add one thing. And the other person then drops their idea, agrees, and adds. Drops your idea, agree, and add. So in this context, what we would say is yes and is not agreement but validation. So think of the yes as the head nod, the repeating back what you just heard. Um, ah, I hear what you just said. And I'd like to offer my perspective on things. What happens in ethics compliance is that you're often referred to as the office of no because you say no all the time. But there are ways to say no uh, without using those words. Um, What people really crave is validation. uh, And improvisers are really good at validating. So I hear you. I understand. And now I'm going to look for a solution that we can solve together. So wrapping all that up, that's listening to understand, don't wait to talk. Be grateful for information and focus on the other person. Validate and add. Does that all make sense, Tom? It does. Ronnie, one of the other podcasts I have is around business leadership. And the one key concept that seems to be across the board for business leaders is to listen. In... um, a lot of studies of compliance programs, it turns out that employees want to be able to go in their supervisor's office and raise a concern. Uh, they don't necessarily want to uh, input something into the hotline. They don't want to send an email to the CEO. They want to be able to, to go into their supervisor's office. And many mid-man, mid-level managers are really feel unprepared uh, to have that role as intake. It seems to me that one of the things you're talking about is is what you term creating a listen-up culture. How can improv help the middle manager learn how to listen up so that you're not training leaders on communication, but you're training the people uh, in the middle of the corporation who employees want to go talk to about cares or concerns? Yeah, well, you're you're spot on with that. You know, I'm trying to. It's interesting to try and explain improvisation through a podcast because it's such an interactive, experiential art form. Um, uh, and for for years, you know, I worked for the Second City for ten years, and, and we did these workshops all over the country. And I've continued to try and adapt them for this community as I've branched off to create learnings and entertainments. Um, so. Um, a lot of the skills that we just talked about uh, in, in relation to how it can uh, support ethics, compliance, and legal are, 
it's almost the same exact thesis statement for how you would help management because really these are just soft skills. These are communication skills and improv is a fun way an interactive way to teach these very fundamental lessons. So you can say, Hey, listen all the time. You know, Hey, be a good listener. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, the little tips that I'm t- telling you right now about listening all the way to the end and repeating the last word, saying a silent, thank you, finding a way to yes. And every conversation these are actually practical tools that you can use. So um, in the same way I, we just talked about this for, for legal professionals, these, these are just leadership and communication skills. You want a manager, you want a leader, uh, the higher up you go, it, it, you're more intimidating to, to the average employee. So what we're talking about is these little social cues and tips that you can use to make yourself more approachable. I'll give you a, a quick example. Um, the, the difference between the word should and could is really interesting and powerful. <laughs> it sounds so subtle, um, but we'll, we'll do these uh, little exercises where we make people give advice to each other in little groups where like pair up and find yourself a partner. And we want you to give advice, but the only rule is you have to say, well, you should do this and you should do that. <laughs> and then we pair them off again and we make them do it and we have them use the words, well, you could do this and you could do that. And then we do this really interesting thing. We make everybody, I just did this the other day. We had a couple hundred people in the room and we, I said, everybody close your eyes. And if you were a statue, show me what the word should looks like. And everybody opens their eyes and there's a hundred people all pointing their fingers straight out of the air. It's really powerful. It was like just literally finger wagging. And then we do it again and we say, close your eyes. And if you were a statue, show me what the word could looks like. And then everybody opens their eyes and there's you know, usually 99 times out of 100, you have some sort of open pose. So that's a perfect example of how a little subtle word change can make uh, a more open communication type because nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody likes a finger wag. They much prefer to solve problems together collaboratively and that helps build trust. So a manager doing that, a compliance professional doing that is a really helpful thing. Ronnie, I'd like to pick up on your last sentence where you use the word trust. Um, culture has become more, I don't want to say more important because I think it was always important, but it's been recognized as a key component actually of a compliance program. And in, in its most recent pronouncement, the Department of Justice in its 2019 evaluation of corporate compliance programs uh, talked about corporate culture, measuring culture, assessing culture, improving culture. It also really helps speak to institutional fairness, the word trust. So I was wondering if you had some thoughts on how improv can help, not so much in creating the trust that you just articulated, but how it can help employees to have more respectful communications, both up and down the chain, but also uh, help where uh, emotions may be riding high for some uh, corporate issue. Uh, and just really yeah. around that. Yeah, well, I, thanks. Uh, sorry to interrupt you there. Um, I didn't listen to my own my own rules. See, these are always muscles you got to work at, right? Um, I, you get excited to jump in and provide a solution, and then you end up interrupting people, and that's thing is something that erodes erodes trust. So I apologize. Um, yeah, uh, well, everything. It's funny, Tom, when, when you asked me to do this podcast with you originally, I started thinking about what I wanted to communicate 
to this community, and it always centers around corporate culture. Um, I'm a firm believer that the way that we all can have an active hand in shaping our culture by how we choose to communicate. And most of the things that we've been talking about on this podcast have been uh, more uh, organizational wide communications, you know, through videos, through e-learning, through uh, uh, different uh, communication campaigns. And I'm a firm believer that those are ways that you can slowly and subtly shape culture by being more open, more positive. Um, you know, uh, even even the one of the quotes I said in one, a couple podcasts ago was from John Cleese, who said, "You know, humor is one of the quickest ways to get people from the closed mode to the open mode uh, as quickly as possible." Okay, that was a big preamble, but um, one of the things from an improv standpoint that I found um, a really interesting way to adapt this for an employee population, particularly around such a uh, there's so many trigger words uh, right now that uh, people are polarized politically. There's the, the Me Too movement. There's a lot more awareness about diversity and inclusion. There, there's just a lot of minefields in the workplace. And I think the one thing that companies can do is actually provide skills to employees, little tricks, little tools to help them navigate these minefields. And I think improv, is, um, improv workshops and keynotes are an effective and fun way to get at these very serious subjects. So um, I guess when I think about improv for the general employee population, I think of like, how can we communicate respectfully even when we disagree? I actually had a client who they use the term, we want to teach people to celebrate disagreement, to welcome disagreement. I actually love that phrase because it's, it's about doing it you don't have to agree, but how can we communicate positively even when we don't? So some of the things that we talked about before, you know, the active listening, the uh, culture of thank you, saying yes and, um, these are things that all can be applied. Um, so, for instance, the, the first little tip I told you about, listening all the way to the end and repeating the last word and then saying a silent th- thank you, What one of the things that that little thing does is it pauses you and allows you to postpone judgment. You, it allows you to respond versus react. When someone says something that's triggering to you, the first response is to go, no, what are you talking about? Um, again, we hit that word no again. What we should really be doing is take a moment, put that pause in there, assume positive intent, validate, and then find a bridge. So even the same lessons that I just said, if you were to say something about, um, you know, a different political spectrum, I can respond by going, ah, that's interesting. I'd like to offer another perspective. And then I, I then we're having a conversation about a difficult thing versus having a difficult conversation. Um, one of the little exercises I like to talk about for this uh, a, a different exercise that I haven't shared yet is um, we'll split, split people into groups and we'll say, all right, you're going to have a, a debate about something and we pick something benign like, you know, salty snacks or sweets, you know, go find a partner and we're going to have this debate. And uh, the only rule the first time is we say, you have to start your sentence with that's wrong because. And so we watch people have these things, you know, salty snacks are better because I like to eat 
chips and they're so much more tasty. And they're like, well, that's wrong because chocolate is awesome. And, and we watch them have these little, <laughs> you know, dynamic and it gets really heated quick. And um, even, you know, it's about something really not important. And then we do it again and we say, all right, now I'll replace it with the phrase, that's important because. And they do it again. And then the next thing you know, they're like, well, you know, I think salty snacks are better because who doesn't like barbecue chips? Barbecue chips are the best. And they go, oh, well, that's important because, uh, gosh, you know, I salt makes you want more and, and salt is tasty. Uh, but I, I think, you know, sweets are better because, uh, you know, chocolate is amazing and uh, it, 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 it's my lifeblood. And you go, oh, well, that's important because you want to feel good sometimes a day. Now, you, what you've done there is you've allowed – a moment to validate the other opinion, but you have not agreed necessarily agreed with it. And again, it's a, that little phrasing helps you have a conversation about a difficult thing versus a difficult combative conversation. What do you think about all that? <laughs> wow. Uh, Ronnie, unfortunately <laughs> though, we are near the end of our time for this episode. Um, gosh, this has just been great. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to maybe exploring some of these at a little more in depth later, but, um, thanks so much. And, um, you want to take us home? Yeah. So, you know, my, I guess I'll leave you with this, you know, these are skills that we can all work on and get better at. Um, there's a lot of different ways to get there. I, my, my toolbox happens to include improvisation, um, uh, I think it's just a really fun and interesting way to, to get at these lessons, um, so, uh, you know, around the country, there's a lot of improv theaters that can, can do this. Um, go take an improv class. You will love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Yeah.